Hi, Damien Marcus from 100 Not Out here. MP. Yes, Damo. We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter the journey of me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, the journey of me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Whitten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking and today I have with me my good friend Fuad Kassab. Hi Fuad. Hi Jo, how's it going? I'm good. Um, we're going to talk today about simplifying. So I was going to call it simplifying and decluttering your life, but that's not very simple. So I thought I better just call it simplifying. Yeah, I think we should leave it at that, Joe. <laughs> I think I should. Fuad <laughs> uh, and I were discussing this a few weeks ago um, because I'd been reading a book about simplifying your life, basically. Um, it has a very simple title, oh. actually. It's called Seven. <laughs> and okay. um, we started discussing all the different problems with our modern day life and how it can just get so crazy um and we just i think we all have the tendency to overcomplicate our lives don't we hope it's not just me yes yes (laughs) and just keep adding more and more of everything and then end up feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and sick and just wanting to escape and And i I wonder if it's a a cycle or if it's something that um you know, we'll actually be able to overcome and continue to have a simple life for yes. a long, long time. I, I, don't, I seem to find it a cycle a bit with me. Yeah. You know, you pull back and then things slowly build up again and then you pull back. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's that's probably human nature. I mean, whenever we decide we need to work on something, it only lasts for a certain amount of time and then we sort of forget, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that, that's so true, and um, that behavior is in us from when we are really, really young as well. So I, yeah. I look at my children, and they display that behavior as well. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of uh, they they love collecting things and yeah. uh, you know making a complex collection of stuff, and then afterwards they move on to something else. Get rid of it all. Start yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, my kids do the same. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, it's really interesting because whatever it is that we think that we do as adults you know, as a conscious choice might be completely evolutionary or just, you know, basic human behavior. Just a natural that, instinct. That yeah. Like my daughter collects rocks and, yeah. um, you know, she has, she's five years old and she's got a, a collection of quartz rocks that she, everywhere she finds quartz, she, she will just actually collect it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's growing. And I'm like, she's five years old. Like she, why does she feel the need to have a collection of that stuff? Everybody collects something, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it comes to us from this, um, you know, we used to live in seasons where we had to collect. So we had to put it aside for when the times were lean. So whenever something we saw value in it or beauty in it, we'd keep it aside Mm. just in case for, you know, when the time comes. Maybe that's what it is. When we need it, yeah. Yeah. That's my explanation anyway. I'm not, I'm no psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) but it's also um i think you know in the old days when people lived very simple farming type lives in the country you know our great-grandparents and that kind of thing um they had a lot more to do as in you know preparing their food and growing it and killing the chickens before they could eat them and all that work that they had to do and scrubbing their clothes by hand in the creek or whatever Yes. Um, they should have had a lot less time than us, but 
you know, they still quilted. They still, you know, did all the hand sewing. They did all these things that I want to do and I don't have time. <laughs> Why is that? Um, well, and, it, and you kind of start thinking about all the things that we add into our lives that they would just be like, what in the world are you doing? You know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of things that we think that, doesn't take up much of our time, but just measure how much time you spend on your phone when you yeah, have a little yeah. bit of downtime and yeah, instead of doing yeah. something that's useful for you. you know. Well, that's something that really um, I've been thinking about a lot lately is it's very easy to get completely mesmerized by Facebook or Instagram and just not realize how much time you've been on there. Um, and, oh, I'm only just quickly checking this. And then you go, oh, you know, I was supposed to be cooking tea and it's, Half an hour late now. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw this so, TED speech. I, I can't remember. I think it was a TED speech, and this woman was talking about the phone thing, and she was saying how on the phone we use it as escapism. So yeah, when we when we're doing these mundane tasks, like yeah. say standing in a queue waiting for our yeah. checkout at the supermarket, most people are on their phone looking at it because you know they are in a period of time where things are there's nothing happening. Yeah. They're completely being forced to be in a place that's not constructive for who they are. So they reach for their phone. Mm -hmm. and they try to sort of escape from that physical reality that they're in to, to be somewhere else that's more interesting for them. Yeah. But um, I feel that that creeps into, um, you know, dinner time. And it, it yeah. creeps into, like, it having does. a conversation with your friends. and, and, and It becomes the, an addiction. Yeah, it becomes okay. really entrenched in you. And how do you get over that? Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, that's the thing. It, um I'm still struggling with that one. <laughs> yeah. So don't well, ask me for all the answers, but well, yeah, it's something I, I, that I'm aware of and trying to do better with. Well, you and I are always chatting to each other on Facebook. So, you know, it's not like we're the, the people who's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who should be followed here. But I guess it's because we have those questions, like pretty much everyone else, and I think it's good to voice these mm. questions. And um, at least when you have them at the forefront, forefront of your thinking, you might be able to do something about them and That's address right. them and then sort more of push aware. them back. Yeah, so it's just more ra raising awareness. And mm. we're, all, we're all doing the same thing, I think. But Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. the first time I went to Sydney a couple of years ago, I was really amazed and kind of shocked. Um, every time you stopped at a crossing to go across the street, everybody was on their phone. Yeah. Every time you went anywhere, it was like all the lot, like you're saying, in the queues. And, and I don't see that so much in the country. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think, I guess people use it also because in an in a, um, environment where there's a lot of strangers, you're not going to talk to them because you don't know them. You know, it's, it's so you just go to your phone and talk to your friends or whatever. I guess in a small country town, you know a lot more people and you chat as you're, you know, standing yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Maybe it's, that's... It, yeah, it's a little bit rude as well to be... Yeah, that. yeah, it's different. It's yeah. a little bit different in a small community, I think. Um, yeah, so I, well, if I have friends over... Stranger, you know, people are like, yeah. what, what? Why are you talking to me? Exactly. If I have friends <laughs> over, though, I know that it's rude to, to be anywhere near my phone and I'll put it away and turn off the sound sometimes because... But I think um, with the younger generations, it's becoming more and more common that you always have your phone with you. You're always chatting to people, even when you're sitting with friends. Yeah. So, so taking it back to simplifying, yes. the, the reason why we're sort of talking about the phone here is really uh, the need to simplify comes from uh, the fact that uh, complicating things takes away from available time for you, which you could be using to become a healthier, better human being. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's really the, the idea behind simplification. It's just you just want to be more comfortable. You want to be happier. You want to be more relaxed and uh, present in the moment, and yes, that's that why the phone conversation thing is, is yeah. there. Sorry, got a bit off but, the track there, but no, that's right. But like, really, like the idea is like we have to understand why simplification is important. And if if it wasn't, if if things, if complexity was actually good for us, then uh, we'd be talking about making things a bit more complex rather than. <laughs> But um, there, there's a fine balance, uh, and what we want to achieve here is a level of uh, daily activity that, um, and whatever it is that we do, that we can maximize what we do to make them things that are good for us, uh, that make our lives more happy and makes us more satisfied, correct? Mm, yeah. yeah. I think um, one of the things that I, one of the reasons why I think it's so important to simplify. I know for me and I know for a lot of the women that I talk to, 
the busier your life gets with all the running around you've got to do with the kids and taking them places, all the jobs that you've got to do, all the cooking, all the house cleaning, the washing, everything that just, you know, that you have to do every day, plus all the, I guess, keeping in contact with people. I don't know. It just, it seems to be all little things, but it all adds up and you end up feeling so overwhelmed to the stage where someone will make the smallest request of you and it feels like the end of the world. Yeah. You just cannot the, cope with another crumb on your plate. Is and, it, what's the same in English? Do you, do you have the saying, the straw that breaks, breaks the, camel. the camel's back? That's right. Okay. And I've felt that so many times it, where I just have to say no to everything, go away and hide for a while because otherwise I just can't cope. And I think the problem is that we stress ourselves out with so much stuff and busyness it affects our health and we do we talk a lot about gut health on this on this podcast um, and one of the biggest problems for um, for gut health is stress and exhaustion yeah. so if you're constantly overloading yourself and pushing yourself and everything's like stressing you out it's going to affect it's going to affect your health well if, yeah if this, the psychological and physiological effects are are clear and also you do make poor choices mm. when it comes to eating when you're stressed. Of so, you and, do, and you're right. tired, so you don't bother cooking. But I, I really like when you said, you know, you have to say say no and go and hide, which is really funny. <laughs> like one of the, you know, I've I've written down a task, a list of things that I wanted to talk about, and saying no is is uh, one of those yes. items yeah. on the list. Um, you know, we, I find myself that I equate saying yes to being a nice person. Like I yes, just find. People because you know, like, oh, you know, I really like that person and I don't want to say no to them. So, um, but you know, the, the, you also should like yourself and you should look after yourself. And the more you say uh, yes to people, you just dilute your energy and mm. you can never do anything right. So, yeah. um, I find one of the strategies that I, if I want to do something but I don't have time for it, I'll say, yes, I'd love to do it, I just don't have time for it at the moment, can I talk to you later? Yes, that's or really good. Or I say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do it. And, um, and just be honest. Most are understanding, you know, they, they won't really get upset. Um, well, I've had your, this, go ahead. No, no, what's your, what's um, your I've, I've had this experience where I get emails every day from people wanting to um, tell me about their products, thinking, you know, that maybe I would love to use them on my blog or something or just wanting to know, you know, needing help or all of that kind of thing. And one email, you think, it shouldn't take long to answer. I can just answer this email, but then it's constant. Yeah. And all those little things is where I get, I come unstuck. Um, seminars and talks and things, even if they're local or even just people wanting to come over for a cuppa and meet me and chat. Um, I want to say yes to all those things. I'm dying to say yes to all those things, but it just gets too much. And so I've, I've been learning to say no <laughs> and try and like you say, say I would absolutely love to and I want to. But the problem is that if I keep putting all those things first, my family suffers and I suffer. Yes. And um, the thing is for me to, to try and get across to people that um, – I don't even have time to sit down and have a cuppa with my own mother sometimes. I would love to have a cuppa with everyone who comes along, but I just can't. Yeah. Um, so I've had to and, – and saying no gets easier as you go, I found. Um, at yeah. first I found it really hard. But once I started to realize that people – like you said, they understand. And I had this experience um, with a friend of mine. With She has an awesome online program and she asked me if I'd you know, like to help her promote it. And I really believe in it. It's a great program. But I said, I really think at the moment I better not because I've got too much on my plate. I don't I don't want to start another thing right now. And she sure. said, you know what? That helped me so much because I needed to hear that because I've been promoting too much, doing too much. And I've had that from other people too. Once we had all the problems with Isaac and I stepped back from Facebook and I said, I'm not going to be posting as much and other people are going to help me post. And people came to me on my page and said, that really helped me because I, I need to hear that from other people saying it's okay to step back. It's okay to say no. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. And 
I think it's um, it's a skill that you have to learn. Mm, so, yeah. you know? And it takes courage at first and you yeah. feel bad, but then eventually when you see that the response isn't as bad as you imagined, then yeah. definitely it's it's in your favor. One of those things I do, because I get emails as well, definitely not as much as you would, but uh, because of my blog and mm-hmm. the restaurants and all that. And sometimes they are interesting to me and they're things that I want to address, but I don't have time to sort of sit down and write a, yeah. a proper reply. So what I do is um, I reply and say, look, uh, I want to get back to you. I don't have the time at the moment, but mm. I expect an email from me at some point. And yeah. that sort of, uh, you know, makes sure that the communication is there. I don't feel like I've um, neglected replying to that person. Mm. But, um, because that in itself puts another stress on you, knowing that you've got them hanging yeah. over you. <laughs> you well, haven't replied. The so the, the hanging over thing is... I think one of the biggest things that uh, I've uh, learned to deal with recently. Tell me how. So I've, I've come, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you this tip. I don't know if I've spoken to you about this, but um, I come from a software engineering background. So that's what I've been doing for 15 years almost mm-hmm. now. And um, there's a development methodology called agile development. So it's, mm-hmm. it's basically the way that you um, deliver projects. and. Okay. One of the key components of it is you sort of have a, a task list. I'm not going to get technical here, but you have a task <laughs> list of all the things that you want to do. Yeah. And then what you say is, um, you know, it could be uh, six months worth of work, mm. and it's all thrown in there in that list. And um, you decide, say, like I'm going to do a what they call as a sprint, and they say like I'm going to do a sprint for the next two weeks. So I'm going to perform tasks for the next two weeks and I'm going to achieve all these tasks that I'm setting out to perform. Mm -hmm. So you take them, you decide on the priorities from that big, big task list Mm -hmm. and you put it into your list. And when it goes into your list, that's what you decide that is important to you, you want to achieve over the next two weeks, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're they're in uh, a scheduled mode. So you've scheduled them to be done over the next two weeks. And then each day, you'll take the tasks that you think are achievable for that day and then you put them in progress. And you say, this is what I'm doing today. And once they're in progress, you just focus on those. You don't have that kind of shadow in in the back of your mind going, did I forget something? What am I supposed to do? But have you ever had an email that was sort of upsetting to you? Mm -hmm. Or like you go, oh, I have to do this or something like that. And then... You forget about the email, but the imprint of that negativity stays on you. Yeah. And then you go, why am I feeling down? Yes. So I have that email, I have to deal with it, you know? Yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay, so what I do is I'll, I'll add that email to the to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, that negativity that's associated with it is done. You know, I don't, I don't actually, it's I not... I find like, that too. Yeah. If I, if I make a list... I feel like a weight's been lifted off me because the list is there. I can come back to it at any time. It's not going to get forgotten. Um, somehow it seems to help. Well, the, it's not cloud-like, you know. Mm. The, the whole um, the whole thing that we deal with, like one of the biggest reasons why people don't achieve their goals is because they don't take time to actually formulate what their goals are. Yeah, so it's they, very airy-fairy. Yeah, and when, when it is like that, when it's not solid or concrete, then you don't know where you're going to, so you will never achieve these goals. And I find it's the same thing with, with fears, you know. So mm-hmm. some quite often, and fears are even worse than goals because fears are uh, a negative yeah. feeling within you that actually holds you back from achieving a million things. So mm-hmm. I make a list of things that I'm worried about or concern me or I'm afraid of, and I actually define them. And I go like, okay, well, so this is what I'm worried about and this is why I'm worried about it and I think this is what I need to do to overcome it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's uh, actually really helpful because, um, yeah, I mean, I obviously make a list of all the things I have to do but I haven't made a list of my fears and that's the sort of thing that, it's you're right, it just hangs over you and it can be small things but it will still slow you down. Yeah, because if if you're just afraid, uh, the natural tendency is to avoid. Mm, It is. um, With avoidance, that fear amplifies. So just, you know, what's if you write it down, it's not going to get worse. No. And then it becomes concrete, and then you can just add it to the to-do list, and it just becomes another thing to do, you know, like you just need to address it. Yeah. Um, and, And the thing about making a list 
that's a great thing. But just scheduling what you want to do for the yes. day. It's not just a list that's yeah. just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So like Schedule just for today, like, only f- like that's, that's one of the big things that I find hmm. is um, the, you make a list and then you go, oh, I need to achieve this over the next, say, three months. No, it's that's like too long. Like, you, know, you have to say what you need to do today because today is the only thing you have. Yeah. You don't have tomorrow yet. Yeah. You only get tomorrow when it becomes today. Mm-hmm. So you work with today and you go, this is, from here, these are the priorities I need to address today. Yeah. And you just do that. And then the next day you've got less items on that list. You might add stuff to it, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. To the, to the, yeah, I add stuff that I've already done so then I can cross it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I just thought of five things I did that aren't on the list. Yeah. Be born done. Right? <laughs> that's a Breathe, good list. cross yeah. it off. <laughs> That's a, that's one that's uh, has recurrence on it. You have to breathe, <laughs> you know, five seconds. But it does. <laughs> see, this is what I find with um, trying to simplify. What I've found is that it's not just your life and your busyness that clutters everything. It's your thoughts. It can be your food. It can be um, the clutter in the house can yes. totally do your head in. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but I do. Right now I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at all the um, stuff that I need to unpack and put away in my room from being away for a month and it's kind of doing my head in, so I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it is funny, like that kind of procrastination on, yeah. against doing what you know is good to do and why do we not do it? And that's probably a topic for something else, but there's yeah. a really good book um, called The War of Art. Uh, not the art of war. It's called the war of art. And oh, it I haven't heard about, of that one. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's um, he talks about the idea of resistance and how uh, he he likens growth to the growth of a tree. And he and he the way that he would sort of describe it is a tree is growing and growth is great, but inevitably, as a tree grows, there's a shadow that gets cast. Uh, underneath it and that mm-hmm. shadow is resistance and it's just an, a another face of growth mm-hmm. and uh, what happens with anything that you want to do is that you, you see that there is going to be resistance in achieving a task you'll always feel part of you holding back from getting to where you want to get and, and that's a normal part of actually trying to get something done <laughs> yeah. and one of the things that you can use is when you feel that procrastination tendency there and you uh, realize it, that's when you can sort of say, ah, well, you know, that's an opportunity for growth that I'm trying to avoid there. Mm. So then when, when that clarity is there, you can sort of approach things a little bit more differently because it's not no longer just a task. You see it as something that's going to be really good for you mm. and that that blocker is there stopping you from achieving your own happiness or getting somewhere where you need to get to. Yeah. Uh, but the, the book is great, much larger than that, the concepts in it. And, um, I yeah, really, read it's I really tend good. to procrastinate. bake. <laughs> 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 everything's too hard, everything's too busy, uh, I'm just yeah. going to go make a cake. <laughs> Master cake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, with this book that I was re- that I've been reading, um, it's really interesting. She she divides life into her life into like seven different um, areas that she needs to simplify in, and like food and um, what else is there? I'm trying to think. Um, just what you own, like having too much stuff, so decluttering, I guess you would say, um, yeah. giving away to charities and. Um, then cutting down on buying because we all, you know, in the Western culture, just buy all the time because we can, <laughs> not because we need. Yeah, um, this is, it's fascinating to me. I, I just want to just hang on that okay. for just one second. Yep. So it's, I had this realization a while ago. You know, like you and I talk a lot about food and mm-hmm. uh, things like overeating and just yes. eat, you know, getting, uh, you know, putting too much sugar in our bodies and. Mm-hmm. The reason why we do that, like why we love eating a lot of fat and sugar, is because typically those kinds of macronutrients were not available to us. So now that they are abundant, uh, the shutoff mechanism inside us just isn't there because we never had that kind of abundance available. Mm. 
months before. In so nature, we hope, you don't you don't yeah, have bucket loads of sugar from everything. So, so so we become you know obese and sick with it. This mm. stuff. But on the flip side as well, there's uh, the hoarder's obesity. It's an external obesity that comes from this um, mechanism that we have inside us to keep things for the rainy day. Yeah. or And we, we become overweight with all the excess stuff around us. Yes. And it holds us back. And it's, it's the same kind of sickness that exists within us as human beings who uh, overeat. But... It's, it, I find it fascinating to think about it in that way. To yeah, think that it's like a sickness in the mind. Yeah, it's, and it's not a sickness. You're not like a bad person for it. It's yeah. just this is how we've evolved. We've evolved to be people who uh, will, you know, if we find an excess of berries, we're going to maybe dry them up and keep them for winter and try to keep as much as we can. If there's a lot of buffalo around, we're going to smoke it and dry it and keep as much as we can available because we don't know the future. We just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's the same thing now. So we, we're acting upon these evolutionary senses that we have inside us that, yeah, we should keep these things. Like, they're, they're important. Look at it. Like, you know, how am I going to throw this out? What, mm. what if I'm going to buy a serial printer in the future? And I'll, I'll yeah. to, you know, all these cables that I've put aside. And, oh, don't uh, talk to me about cables. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what most of them are for. Yeah, exactly. But you keep them because I one know, day... Because become, what if it, I throw it away yeah. and then it was for something? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the big fear. I've never come back to a cable, but I've got boxes of them. Oh, it drives me crazy. But yeah. even things like, um, you know, just clothes, um, you know, they often say uh, go through your wardrobe and um, anything that you haven't worn in the last year, get rid of. Yeah. That's so hard because I'm like, yes, but it wasn't that cold a winter. So what if next winter is really cold? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to keep these three gigantic black coats, even though I live in far north Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do travel like a, to other cold places, though. Well, but, um, do, you think, do you think there's a balance? Like, you of know, course there's a balance because you can, you can be silly and just chuck things out willy-nilly, which my husband does tend to do, and then he has to go and buy it again in three months, which drives me batty. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to find the balance. But I think... My problem is um, I tend to say there's money in the bank, so it's okay. I can just buy another dress. I can buy another this. I can buy when you don't really need it. And that yes. money could be helping someone who really does need it. If, you know, yeah. I, you know, I say I would like to help homeless people. I would like to help all these people. But you go and buy another outfit instead. And it's like, ah, so this is what I'm trying to work on in my life. I'm not saying everyone else has to do that. I'm just saying that that's one of the things I'm trying to simplify in my life is um, realize when I don't really need to spend the money just to say no. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, it's funny, like we've got this kind of thing that makes us want to possess stuff that yeah, we, we, do. we like. We do. Um, and I find that really strange in me. Like I, I hear about a new invention, go, oh, I'd love to have that. And then I'm like, but I've never needed that in my life. Exactly. Like, why? Why do I love? Why would I love to have that now? Like, why do I feel an urge for something that I just uh, discovered just like a, a you know a second ago, and I feel like I need it. Yeah. And it's it's so weird. I've got this uh, this really funny comedian that I love. It's, it's sort of um, on the topic of like how we behave and think about these things. And he, uh -huh. his name is Louis C.K. and he talks about how he went on an airplane once. And um, on the airplane, they said, okay, on this airplane, we have a new system that will allow you to use the internet while you're on the plane. Yeah. And um, the guy, uh, like, he goes, wow, imagine that. Like, you can be online in an airplane. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. So the airplane takes off, and he goes, there I was, checking my email, whatever. And then the internet stopped working, and the pilot goes... Uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, we've had, we're having some trouble with the internet on the airplane. It won't be available for the rest of the trip. And the, the guy next to him goes, hold on, like, now you're upset about something that you just, you never knew existed. And, yeah. like, you had access to the internet, like... You would have survived quite fine and, without it if the pilot yeah. hadn't mentioned that it was available. And, and that's how I feel about a lot of things in my yeah. life. It's just this kind of thing where, like, you have an iPhone 6 and the 6S comes out and you go like, I want the iPhone 6S yeah. now, you know, yeah. and it's just a, a weird mechanism inside us that just makes us want to have more and possess more and better things and just 
you know, uh, it makes gives us this kind of disregard for these things that we used to own and love before. Yeah. But also the attachment that's around it makes us want to keep those things around us. Yeah. You know, which is the the older things, even though we've moved on. Like, and I I don't really understand it fully why we have that. But it's so clear that in most of us, this kind of tendency is there. I think um, a couple of good bits of advice that I've read. Um, one lady said her grandmother always taught them that whenever you wanted to buy something, that was something that you really wanted, she said you had to wait a month, and if you still wanted it after that, then you could buy it. <laughs> I was like, wow. That would wow. just cut out so much. Yes. I mean, it would keep the important things in there, but that new dress you wanted, well, by a month's time, you would have gone on to another one, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, well, sorry, that, you, don't, you don't think in dresses. Sorry, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can relate to that. Uh, no, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so just it's – I think of my kids also, you know, they get $10 for pocket money and it's burning a hole in their pocket and they have to spend it right now. It's like, yeah. why don't you wait? Because if you save it, you'll have a bit more and you can buy something that's actually decent. <laughs> so, it's so weird. So one of those uh, things that hoarding brings to mind for me is this inability for us to live in the moment. And, and mm. what I mean by that is it's a symbol for a past that you're holding on to and a projection to a future that you fear or desire. Mm. And that's what I feel hoarding is. And yeah. it's a very, very cloud-like, uh, nefarious affair. You mm -hmm. just don't, you don't know why these things are there, but it's, it's more of a past and future attachment. Yeah. And um, as you know, Joe, I'm really into kind of, um, I'm not a Buddhist or anything, but I'm, I'm really into uh, living in the moment and yeah. the, the art of Zen and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And um, I'm trying to become a better person, trying to live more in the now and trying to sort of avoid too much complication and thinking too much about the future. And I find that uh, the therapy comes to you when you let go of these things because uh, in a way they're a trap. They're, they're a trap for you to uh, live within that kind of momentum of uh, duality between the past and the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you sit down and uh, just observe yourself for a minute, you are free of all these things. You, you don't need, like, all you have is your body, really, and that's, that's all that you've got. And in any given moment, like you and I are sitting down and talking now, we've got all this clutter and stuff around us and all these things in the garage, but these things are there and they're kind of attached to us in a way, but our lives do not completely depend on them. Like, we are actually just these beings sitting down here having a conversation right in the moment. Mm -hmm. But once we get out of this and we are in a state of mind that is not present as we are now, then these things start taking effect and they start playing into this attachment to a past and mm -hmm. a, uh, an attachment to a future, uh, which um, I think it, the, it stops us from living in the moment, if yeah. you see what I mean. Well, do you feel that way too? Yeah, um, I think... Obviously, like you said earlier, you do have to find a balance um, because you've got to do you, your work. You've got, I mean, we can't help but be a bit busy because kids have got to have lunches made for school. We've got to take them to sport. We've got to, um, you know, clean the house. We've got to do all these things. We've got jobs. We've got family. Um, but finding a way to keep it simpler and also to take those times out to stop and think, um, I think, for me, to stop and think about what's really important, even if it's only five minutes, to just take a break and pause and refocus and yes. not get swept away by all the busyness so that it's like your 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 work and your jobs and your to-do list can take over and your identity and who you are and your... You become um, what you do rather than... Yeah, you become what you do rather than who you are. And, and your family suffers from that. Um, always getting... You know, I find when I get like that, um, I rush past my kids and I'm too busy to talk. And, and I'll have my youngest one especially call me back out of that and say, Mum, you're not listening to me. 
mum, yeah. look at me. And I'm like, oh, goodness, you know, you have to really stop and um, take yourself out of that busyness sometimes and, and go and sit down and play with the kids or go outside and sit together and have lunch in the sunshine or little things like that. I find they simplify me because I realise what's really important. Um, does that explain it? <laughs> it's hard yeah. to explain. Have I told you this, like, you know, when I'm walking under the rain once, like, I, I, I was getting rained on, mm-hmm. and I was, like, my whole body was getting drenched, and I, I, I sort of hunched down trying to avoid yeah. getting more wet, but it was ridiculous. I was going to get wet anyway, <laughs> and um, I walked, and uh, and then I was like, oh, look, I'm going to get wet, you know, I'm just going to be wet now, and I'm just feeling miserable because I'm getting rained on, but my reality is not going to change. I'm getting rained on, you know. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm getting rained on, you know. And then when I thought that, I just felt happier. I felt like I was mm. yeah, okay to be getting rained on. And then I enjoyed enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, actually walking in the rain isn't bad if you don't mind it, you know. Yes. And this, um, it was just such a weird thing to actually think about. But um, from there, it just kind of opened up this idea of how, you can have so many different approaches and ways to look at a, cer- a certain situation and mm-hmm. your thoughts are uh, going to come anyway, but how you react to your thoughts is uh, the big deal here. Well, that's so, why I think your attitude changes things. Like to, it, If you're going to look at everything negatively, it's going to stress you out. But if you can find the positive, and that's why they say living in the moment, finding things to be grateful for, in the moment that you're in um, and thinking about those things will totally change the situation around. So like walking in the rain to say, well, you know, um, oh, you know, I don't know, focusing on how fresh it is and how great it is to be able to be out walking or whatever it is that will really change it. What we sort of um, have in that experience is we kind of think about the future where we will be, not rained on, you know, like yeah, we want yeah. to get to a point in the future where we're not getting rained on yeah. and it's not where we're at at the moment. So we are miserable because we, yeah, that's right. we are, yeah, the current moment is not where we want to be. But if we just realize that the current moment is all we have and yeah. then when that realization is so true for us, then we can make these kinds of uh shifts in consciousness that allow us to view the the current experience for being a, a negative one it becomes a positive one if we choose to do so i mean it's really hard and it's also hard to tell other people you know like let's say you're having an argument with someone and you just say look you know you've got to relax and just sort of look at this in a different way mm-hmm. like they they probably just get even more yeah. upset at you for trying to sort of preach to them or something mm-hmm. like that but it's an internal thing that you have to learn as a skill for yourself to, yeah. to always realize that whatever automatic emotion that you may have around a certain moment, it's, it's built, it's actually something you can change. But the, the importance to that when it comes to simplification is that you don't really need much to be happy because yes. uh, all you need is the, you know, you look at the time that you're in and, uh, you know, we, we know, we all know that studies have been done about and heard about of these studies where you know people who are less wealthy like the poor are usually happier yeah and uh, you know why is that you know why why they feel that way and it's obviously there's no uh, correlation between material possessions and happiness yeah, and, exactly uh, you know an, an ever-growing task list of uh, to do thing to do lists you know that you know it doesn't mean that you're happy if you if you got more to do so no what uh, what is true happiness and why do we want to simplify it? And I think it comes down to this attitude that you mm. garner around where you, where you see your thoughts. Mm. So I like to do these things that um, try keep me grounded in the, in the moment. So things like reading a book, yeah. which is an, a, an activity rather than a pastime like watching television. Like, exactly. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'd much rather read a book. It's... Uh, because you're actually using your brain, it's not being sort of projected into your head. You you use your own imagination. You're uh, in the moment more so. Things like going for a walk or meditating, and um, you know, disconnecting from technology. Just not having my phone when I go for a walk is, is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, that's um, I've uh, yeah. There's there's a lot that you can do sort of to 
like exercise, for instance, that keeps definitely that really helps. Yeah. What else, Joe? What, what um, I find for me, getting out into nature in the sunshine or the yeah. rain, <laughs> yeah. um, barefoot if I can, um, yeah. and just I I I love to take a camera with me because I find that that makes me really focus on the beauty around me, and. Even when, like I've had people say this to me, you know, oh, well, I live in this city. I don't live in a beautiful place like you do. Yeah. Um, so it's not the same. But I've found even when I'm in the city, I'll ha still have my camera with me and I will still find beautiful things to take photos of wherever yeah. I am. There's always something. It might be a be beautiful bit of architecture. It might be a beautiful tree in a street that you're looking up through the leaves to the sky or it might be a little flower stuck in the crack of a wall. There's always something. Well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, it is. It is. And, but that <laughs> relaxes me and that yeah. helps me to, um, again, focus on um, being grateful for what where I am right now. Yeah, you know, they don't say stop and smell the roses for, for no reason. <laughs> but um, that's, I think, when you're in a, an environment as toxic as a, a city life, which is mm. one of the worst places that you can be as a human being if you, you're trying to live like a... A more mm. uh, primitive kind of life, one that is more in tune with how our ancestors lived, is you know you get desensitized to the beauty around you because you associate it with the stress that you get get out yeah, of that yeah. city, and it's really hard to find the beauty in it. Yeah. Um, but luckily, places like Sydney, you know, you've got like the Royal Botanical Gardens and places yeah. like that are just stunning. And the gorgeous old buildings and the harbour, yeah. and yeah, I've taken some gorgeous photos there. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. But also um, for me, um, just taking five minutes out here and there. And one of the things that I really loved about this book that I read, I should just mention it's called Seven and it's by Jen Hatmaker. And it's basically she's having, she calls it a mutiny against excess. Mm -hmm. And um, she's trying to cut down in a lot of areas so that she can um, see what it's like to live very simply like most of the world lives. Um, but she talks about, having the seven sacred pauses each day, which is more of a, um, I guess, a mystical Catholic tradition. And I'm not Catholic, but I am a Christian. Um, and I really loved her ideas on that because it talks about taking certain times of the day, like where you just pause for five minutes. And like you're saying, you you um, put away the past and the future. You think about right now, you think about um, like you pause and you might pray and ask for um, blessing or you may pray for people who need help or you may pray for the homeless or you may think about all the things you have to be grateful for right now um, but it's it's consciously pausing and doing that and it doesn't have to be seven times and it doesn't have to be how she said to do it or anything but I love the principle of pausing at different times throughout the day and um, and and really just being grateful yeah, there's there's a yoga practice, like a meditation practice, that's like that, where you um, you sort of um, focus in on uh, people that are really really important to you, and you uh, wish them all the love that you can wish them, and you just focus your love on that, and then you focus on people that you know, um, but you know anyone, and then you wish them love, and you sort of wish them a really good happy life, and then you focus on people that you really really don't like, and then you you know wish that they die. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You wish that, you know, happiness and, and love for them as well. And, and with that kind of uh, attitude, it's the positivity that you resonate within you will carry on through your day. And, it uh, does. It really does. Yeah. And it yes. makes you more caring about other people also, I think, when you... When you stop thinking about your own problems and issues constantly and start thinking about other people, and it might take a conscious effort at first because we're so used to being so, um, you know, inward looking, I guess is the word. I don't know. Um, where you, you know, you constantly see all you have to do and all you're having to put up with and all your problems. Um, to yeah. and, and look well, that's what, that's what we usually do as people. I, I, I learned a really beautiful word recently. It's called the uh, sonder. Have you heard of it? No. You know, it's the realization that each passerby has a life as vivid yeah. as, and complex as your own. Yes. And um, what was it? What was the word? Sonder. S O N D E R. Okay. And uh, you know, that's something that you know I've experienced in my life as well. Like you, you can be walking down 
pit street in the city and surrounded by you know, thousands of people mm. and you know just the sheer complexity of the life around you just is stunning you know yeah. it's just feel overwhelmed by by the amount of life but quite often we're looking at our phone and trying to really really mm. avoid it yeah <laughs> but um, just such a such a big thing to realize that you are one organism in this uh, intense immense life form that's yes. around you and every person around you is a person with a life like you <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah. You know, just seeing people uh, meet uh, I ran into uh, the past two girls that walked past each other and they just had this biggest smile on the face they, they just hadn't seen each other for years it seemed like and they just walked past each other you know yeah. by chance and yeah. it was a beautiful thing to just look at it yeah. and, and then you get that realization of like you know these people have their own lives and what, what a beautiful thing to have to have witnessed mm. and you know that was just something that happened in that moment and then it mm. passed and um, they, they had no luggage, they had no hoardings, they had no million things around them and mm. they, they were just doing a simple act of walking and from that they had this incredible happiness that just beamed out of them. Yeah. And, um, it's such a beautiful thing to have, you know, walked past. Witness, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, this, these are the true moments in our life, you know, we're unencumbered by possession and you you see beauty in the in the others around you and uh, you make connections in life and that's what it's really all about isn't mm, it it is yeah getting a bit too philosophical here no Joanne. no we can we can get yeah. philosophical on the podcast <laughs> can't we yeah <laughs> podcast, we can do whatever we want yeah that's right they don't have to listen you can turn it off if you're finding this dull people <laughs> oh, but i think um one of the things that i've been more aware of lately is um, like homeless people and people that are escaping from abuse and things like that. And it's so easy to block them out because you don't understand them and you don't, it's messy and yeah. you want to keep out of their way. Um, and you see that a lot, you know, like in the city, people just all rushing by people that are sitting there. I, I, I just have this um, memory from when I was in Scotland a couple of months ago and there was this old guy sitting on the bridge. It was freezing cold, so cold. And he was sitting on the wet cement. It was raining. And he had a little tiny blanket over his lap and he was begging. And that just really hit me. And I have not been able to get that picture out of my mind. Right. I, did, I did get him a cup of hot coffee. but <laughs> I just yeah. always felt like, what can you do to help these people? They have lives. They are real people. And um, I don't know, there's something really humbling about realizing you have so much and so many people in the world have nothing. Um, and I think that's sort of what kicked off this whole idea in my mind that I need to simplify and use what I have to help others because I have too much and so many people have nothing. So that's very philosophical and that's what I've been thinking about. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's really courageous to think about this, right? Because I, I bet you this wasn't the first time in your life that you'd witnessed oh, no. that. And, but, you know, it's taken you so many years to actually start really trying to integrate that I kind guess, of well, emotion. We don't, we don't see that here where I live. So right. it's yeah. not, we don't see homeless people. I mean, obviously we see people who are suffering and we've always, I've been raised in a family where we always have helped the people and we have lived very simple um, growing up, we lived very simply and yeah. we always had people living with us that were um, like escaping abusive husbands or um, alcoholic, alcoholics recovering, kids on drugs recovering. We always had people like that staying with us. Yeah. And so I've been raised like that, but I think I got away from it because I was so busy. Right. And then to see that sort of brought me back to um, yeah. is my life getting so crazy that I can't see anybody else. All I can see is me and my stuff, you know? Yeah, there's, so. there's definitely that. But I also think that, you know, we we aren't built for this world in, in a sense that mm. um, our, we have these empathy mechanisms inside us, which you typically would have been confined to the tribe that we are, that is around us. And we yeah, could do something so useful. And you're right. There's only so much we can do when it's like... You see all these horrible things on the news and, you, and like the um, refugees that are suffering and it's very frustrating because you think, well, what can I actually do? 
You know, yeah. what well, difference can I make? That, yeah, I but, think you know if if you the best you can do is be good to the people who are around you. You actually, yeah, and have within, you know, and and if you find that your life takes you down the path where you you can influence at a larger scale and do mm. things at scale then that's fine but there should be no guilt I think associated with you doing the best that you can with the resources that you do have yeah and, uh, it's like the the we all would sort of love to be able to solve the world's problems yes. and, uh, <laughs> but but the burden is too heavy and it's it too is. big it's, it's not big. for a single individual to do so and if everyone looked after the people around them in their exactly. own and, and families and lives then we wouldn't have this problem I, I would imagine and and um, I think if everybody worked on, okay, not wasting food, yeah. you know, um, w living simply, um, buying local and seasonal and all of those things that you can do um, to help your local community, um, you are doing your part and it does make a difference to, to other people. Yeah. It doesn't um, seem like a lot at the time, but it, it does make a difference. Well, you know, it all adds up. It all yeah. adds up. And you, you know, you pay it forward. Some people get looked after, and they look after other people, and mm. it's, it's a chain reaction. Hopefully, um, with regards to food and you know, uh, not wasting and things mm. like that, um, you and I often talk about simplifying the, the what we cook as well. Um, and I think that's one big thing, one big area for people is that you know, you don't, don't cook three meals a day or anything mm. like that. You know, just try to, like for me, I make a, a large batch of food for, you know, that would last me a day or two sometimes. Wow. And that's what we sort of focus on eating rather than uh, trying to cook all these different meals every day. And, mm -hmm. uh, because it does take a lot more of our time. It does. Um, but, you know, quite often we find ourselves not really doing that. And then you have all the cleaning up the kitchen and the washing up and all that kind of stuff. And it's so time-consuming. It is. It takes up a lot of the time. I always do try to cook in bulk as much as I can yeah. and use all the leftovers. And that, like you say, that really does help with cutting down on on how much you eat and also how much you waste. How, far, how have you found uh, gaps in the simplification? Oh, I've found gaps really helpful because I think that's another thing that made me start thinking about simplifying because... Before gaps, um, you know, when I was doing my cookbook and everything, I was just cooking like crazy, and it was all good food and everything. Um, but it can get overwhelming for people who are trying to eat healthy and cook everything from scratch because it it takes time, and then you feel like, well, you know, I've got to make these sweets, and I've got to do this baking, and I can't use this, and I've got to use that, and it just gets quite overwhelming um, but with gaps because you started with broths meat and veggies <laughs> right yeah. there you've simplified um, yeah. and you you bring it back to a small group of ingredients that are very nutritious without all the fillers and fluff and it doesn't take a lot of prep time except for maybe chopping vegetables it's slow yeah. cooking so you yeah. just get it going in the morning and then it's, you know, it's when you have dinner, it's, you just chuck a few more bits in, a few more veggies and then it's ready. Um, and so that really helped me because I know a lot of people think of gaps as overwhelming, but I actually found it simplified my cooking. Um, and, and just how delicious can traditional slow cooked foods be? I mean, you don't need a lot of stuff in there. Um, yeah. And so that's been good for me. And, and also realizing that we were having way too much baking and sweets and fancy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have no problem with that kind of thing now and then. And um, I might make cupcakes out of almond meal or something a couple of times a week so the kids have them to take when they go somewhere. But it's not something that I feel like I need to do every day, which is what I used to do. So yeah, that's definitely um, and like it's well, kids. If you're hungry, there's bananas and there's nuts and there's some leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, see, I I don't have the perspective that you have because I don't actually look after my kids the same yeah. way that you do. Like my wife is the the primary caregiver. Yeah. Um, but from a perspective of uh, you know a, a male, you know, and the simplicity that I try to add in my life. Like I, for instance, just don't have breakfast at all. 
Um, Isn't that not good for you, Fuad? <laughs> no, it's, it's why? Why? why well, they it? say that if you don't have a good breakfast, that you don't sleep as well at night. No, that's that's not true. Okay. I, I, I find it actually really good for you. I find. Um, I would I would be a wreck by about eight o'clock. Well, that's because you you have probably more very fast metabolism. Yeah, and I've got more fat storage than you do. Yeah. I uh, I do eat big dinners, you know, like mm-hmm. at six thirty, seven o'clock. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're we're designed to fast. We're designed to go through like you know sixteen hours or whatever it is mm-hmm. of not eating, uh, and it's detoxifying for us. It gives you more clarity. Well, I know other people <clears throat> that eat like we do have said that they don't need lunch. Yeah, I, I don't eat breakfast because I just don't have the appetite, to be honest. Right? Yeah. I don't wake up feeling like I need to eat. Okay. I'll happily go on till 12.30 or so until I've eaten something. I'll have a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. like just black. Yeah. And it's not like I do it because I want to simplify, but I, I do find that, you know, um, I actually have more energy when I'm not, I haven't eaten in the morning. Okay. And uh, because I'm... Um, I, I used to have metabolic syndrome and I used to uh, re- be heavily dependent on carbohydrates and I ate a lot of carbohydrates. I find that if I skip breakfast and I've depleted more of my glycogen, that I can tolerate a little bit more carbohydrates for lunch okay. and, and I'll have a, a low-carb dinner and then I'm, I'm set, you know, I'm doing all right. Then. That works for you. And yeah, that's the interesting it's, thing, isn't it, with food that if I did that, I'd be a mess, <laughs> but uh-huh. just different body types. Yeah, and also I'm I'm definitely way lower carb than you would be, yeah. I would imagine. Uh, and uh, you have this um, they call it keto adapted, you know, where mm-hmm. my, my the mitochondria and my cells are very happy to burn fat. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, you don't have any fat on you, so <laughs> you know you got to burn something. Yeah, and, a little uh, bit. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that works for me. But like, just not having to worry about breakfast. That gives me a little bit more time to, say, play with the kids in the morning or whatever. And yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's when I was at the restaurant. I found myself uh, eating like, you know, very sporadic times, and uh, the stress really, really piled up. And I had a million things on my mind, and I was trying to work. You know, like trying to piece so many different. Mm-hmm. Uh, parts of this puzzle and my life became super super complex and I became extremely tired and for a while I was in this kind of zombie state that I actually never even realized I was in because mm-hmm. I had sunk into it gradually and now after the restaurant stopped and I've had time to rest and sleep and have a bit of retrospective as, as to where I was like I feel you know that there's a darkness that comes with complexity and, and exhaustion that you never actually realize until you get yourself out of it. Yes. So um, I think you know people need to be really, really careful about how far they push themselves and how much commitment they have in their life and how many complex things they're adding to yeah. to themselves. I think you're and right. That, and that's one of the things that simplification brings to you is this kind of ability to go, oh, wow, I actually never realized I was this exhausted or I was this uh, overcommitted. Yeah. When it, you just need to rest for a bit. So and take a break, you know, take a holiday, make it, yeah, a, you, know, right. you know, two, three weeks, try to get out of it. How was your holiday? It was awesome. And I was just going to say, um, when I've gotten sick, I'll just mention this first. When I've gotten sick, people have said to me, oh, you just do way too much and you just need to slow down. And and I'm thinking, I don't do too much because when you're in it, you don't feel like you're doing too much sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you feel like, I'm coping okay. What are they talking about? Yeah. And then you get really sick. And I was, you know, a while back I was sick for three weeks. And, um, and then the last time I got sick, it was about a few days. Um, it makes you stop and think and you realize how much you actually are doing. Going away on holiday was great because you just, you don't have all the stuff there with you to do. And so you have to take a break. And when you come back, you're like, yeah, I really do need to simplify. (laughs) They were right. (laughs) And the the thing is, like, you're not an expert at this, Joy. Like, you've always had a simple life. Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you were thrown into this kind of crazy thermal mix world. Mm. Like that, that's a good joke. And it's kind of <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of built up little by little, which is where yeah. it you don't notice. I think you you don't realise how much you've added until yeah. you take a complete break and then you go, 
okay, let's let's um, reassess here. Yeah. <laughs> what do I not need to be doing? Um, because it's all it does get all too much so easily. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. It's great that you've uh, you've gotten to that point where you know you're feeling uh, relaxed. I can definitely feel like hear it in your voice and yeah so i'm I'm glad you're you're back well it's good to have friends like fuad who give you a good slap when you're overdoing it (laughs) (laughs) try try to be nice in a nice way (laughs) um, what i'm gonna do is i'll go through the items that i spoke about just at at a high level just to summarize and uh, so this is my list for uh, the top nine things that i try to do to keep my life simple. So I try to meditate and that could be just putting my earphones on before I go to sleep and there's a really good application called uh, Headspace that I use and goes through 10 minutes each night that, and it's sort of really nice and relaxing and uh, it helps me go to sleep really well and it clears my mind and I wake up the next day feeling great. Um, I also try to read a book. Uh, I try to have a book that I'm reading all the time I try to go for a walk at least once a day. I, uh, I've learned to say no nicely to people. I've, uh, I try to disconnect from technology, so I usually put my phone on airplane mode after 8 o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. I'm working on decluttering my house, so trying to um, donate or throw things out that I don't need. I'm also um, cooking more simply and in large batches that will last for a longer bit of time. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also a daily to-do list that I prioritize and I focus on what I want to do for that day and I achieve those things without having to worry about all the backlog stuff that would be scheduled for another day. Mm-hmm. I uh, make a list of the things that I'm worried about and um, I define what it is that I'm worried about and why I'm worried about that thing. And I also uh, write down what would happen if that thing came true and I would also write down what I can do to make sure that that fear is not realized and I add the to-do back into my to-do list Mm -hmm. and um, yeah so these are my my big tips for simplifying. That's good and I'll just add a couple of mine um, again with the cooking using really basic ingredients um, and slow cooking which really helps me to manage my time and making large batches um getting the kids together for time to spend together which i find is really important um reading a book together or going for a walk together or just getting outside having meals together things like that um and not letting um things that are not as important get in the way of that because I think it's very easy to do that. Um, Also just getting outside and sitting in the sunshine with a cuppa, that's always um, helps me to stop and refocus. Yes. Um, And pausing different times throughout the day to refocus, check my list again, um, think about um, if I'm doing well or not because sometimes I have to give myself a little reminder on – being in the moment and not getting so stressed. (laughs) Um, And also um, just getting rid of things as I, whenever I um, do the washing, do the cleaning, finding things that I can take and give away to people so that I'm not cluttering up my life with things that I don't actually use. So those are a few of my little tips. Great tips, Jo. Yeah, so I think it's definitely challenging to... Um, not get caught up in the do more, have more, eat more, buy more mentality. That's pretty much (laughs) our world. Um, But it's important to to work on this and just um, keep doing little bits to change and to simplify. And it just makes life a lot happier, I think, when it's simpler. So thank you so much, Fuad, for all your great advice and tips and discussing my deep and meaningful philosophical ideas with me. <laughs> Love it, Joe. <laughs> and I hope you all um, learned something and found it helpful and that you'll be able to put some of these ideas into practice in your own lives. And if you've got any questions or comments, you feel free to hop onto my Facebook page, Quirky Cooking, or Fuad's, which is the food blog. 
and um, also you can leave comments on the website www.thewellnesscouch.com backslash a quirky journey and we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available. So keep working on those small changes and we'll be back to share more of our journeys with you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. See you, Fuad. Bye, Joe. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.